This is Shifron Stop, a fun podcast about games and cultural stuff and comedy and interviews. It's it's an episode. It's episode 70. It's a special episode. Is that this week? Yeah. Wow. That's why we were going to have our special guest who's unfortunately dropped out this time. Next time. time. Um, You've been busy, Layla. I have been busy. I'm so (laughs) tired. Yeah, I uh, I put on an event yesterday, which I don't think we've mentioned on the show at all, because I think it was probably in the very early stages the last time we recorded. Yeah, Hack Circus. Hack Circus, yeah, so Hack Hack Circus is going to be a semi-regular thing, hopefully quarterly, um, and I'm also doing a magazine to tie in with it, which I've signed up with the with the uh, printers for three years so it's going to be like either my job eventually or just a really expensive hobby that I'm going to just keep doing. Is that, is that three years annually? Three years quarterly Oh, so there's going to be 12 issues wow. uh, at least so um, yeah I'm, I'm just I just thought sometimes you just have to go for it and go fuck it let's see if we can make this work so listeners I think will enjoy it because it's about sort of fun and fantastical extremes of technology ideas so people doing mad things Um that don't seem like they should be possible and often aren't possible um some of it's kind of on the border of just kind of silliness but in a fun clever way and some of it's interesting and innovative too um will followers of your other works uh (laughs) recognize some of the themes they will recognize both the themes and the people that i've brought in (laughs) uh, because i always work with the same people so um it's just kind of the latest incarnation of these ideas i think but it should be good and the event yesterday was the first one of the first kind of hack circus thing Uh, well it isn't really because i've done a couple of little ones but this is the main one um and the magazine will be out in a couple of weeks but the event and the first magazine were both themed on time and time travel how many people Um, did you have along well i sold i think over 70 tickets um and probably most of them turned up i missed this event what sort of things did i miss well uh we had a good mix of people um we had uh for example sarah anglis former shift run stop guest and recent uh speaker at deconstruct i understand yeah she heard that went down really well yeah Yeah. she was very popular uh, she does really interesting things she's sort of um a historian of weird things um (laughs) so she's interested in like things to do with you know um Cold War and sound and the origins of music and things like that. And she knows loads. She used to work at the Science Museum. She's very scientific and, and sort of um, technical. And she also does, uh, well, as listeners all know, she does things with um, robots and theremins and combinations of the two. So I'm going to assume that the thing she did in your time travel event was mm. somehow automaton music related that she did a performance piece she did a performance piece and a talk so she did some theremin music that was kind of themed on time with some samples and stuff and some bells she's got like a bell rig which all of this she carted up from brighton by the way on the train and then had to carry from the station it was just incredible that she managed to get get there on time at all and she also did talk about um it's was, it was really interesting it's kind of about unexpected time travel sort of in historical stories and things um so she talked about like how there's a really weird girls comic that looks like um Jackie or something you know one of those like slightly old fashioned 80s right. girls comics yeah. but is actually all about like the apocalypse and sort of really dark stuff so it's all these girls having really terrifying adventures and they're kind of they they get trapped underground uh, it's got, got loads of peril in it and they come out and emerge into this world and they're looking around going has it snowed? And then they go, no, it's the nuclear fallout. <laughs> and it's like the worst. Yeah, it's so terrifying. Um, 
and then they find their mother's grave and like realize loads of time has passed while they're underground and <laughs> it's really weird so she's talking about that and then she plays some music to sort of pictures from that and that was really eerie and freak you really all out. yeah it was really weird like, really unsettling but great obviously um and um so she did that and we had um, Matt Westcott, who I don't think has been on Chiffon Stop yet, nope. but we should get him on. He's, He's a Spectrum artist, so he does stuff with ZX Spectrum mm. chip tunes and makes videos, streaming videos using Spectrums, and just he's just amazing, a really amazing musician as well. He did a little talk about uh, the way that the ZX Spectrum may have been um, involved with time travel, uh, which was quite funny. And then he did um, some music, some time-themed music, and got people singing along, um, all with Spectrum chip tunes, which is great. I saw Albie oh. Reed did a talk about how to build a time machine. Yeah, Albie did. Yeah, he he was sort of that was the title of his talk, but it was more like the gist of it was more like was almost more interesting that we already can travel through time and that people already have. And he was like, well, if you if you we could just build a spaceship that was fast enough we would be able to travel into the future because there is already like um, an astronaut who has travelled at sufficient speed that he is very, very slightly younger than everyone else in the world. Oh, okay, so, so using it's... relativistic effects, yeah. you're the, the twin paradox is that yeah. you're, you'll be younger than you should be. Exactly. If people want to get involved in Hacksackers, are you looking mm. for contributors, are you looking for mm. consumers? How can people yeah, sort of I'm, get involved? I'm mainly looking for consumers always. Um, I'm also looking for, I guess, Paying customers. advertisers, <laughs> people who are interested in buying it. Yeah. Um, go to hackcircus.com and there will be stuff on there soon about the magazine and things, essentially. Uh, I'm also doing a tiny letter, which fans of Rue will be familiar with already. Oh, it's a great um, format for sending things to people's spam folders. Oh, really? Yeah, is that it's what good happens? for that. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Is that the most common destination? Yeah, you might want to look at yeah. MailChimp rather than Tiny oh, Letter. Gosh, it's fine, it's but it's, uh, you know. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, warn, well, warn people to go and look in their spam folders. Well, you know that now, listeners. Um, and also with the same with Rue's letter as well. Um, have a look in the spam Yeah, everyone, everyone should be aware that I do still send a weekly newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you're not receiving it is uh, is only a symptom of the fact that it's in your spam folder. So it's tinyletter.com stroke hack circus and tinyletter.com stroke ruse letter. Yeah, or Rue Reynolds, I think. I'm not sure. Both. Yeah, you'll find it. It's linked to from, you know, all all the good pages of the internet linked to it. So it's not hard to find. You'll find it on Google. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so hopefully next hack circus, probably in Sheffield, probably in the new year. Um, And maybe themed around something to do with fairgrounds, I'm thinking. I haven't quite nailed it down yet. Um, but yeah, it was it was great. Everyone did some nice tweets about it, and I think we all had loads of fun and learned loads about time travel. And um, I got to do my Terminator talk again, which was good. Went down well. So that's fun. And, uh, and uh, the first quarterly publication coming soon. Yeah, probably, hopefully by the time this episode goes out. So you know, you know how to get hold of me if you're interested. Shift, run, stop. Hello. Hello. It's Lee McGuire again. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. See, it looks like we've only got one snack thing, but I know that Lee's bag is Lee's sack is bulging <laughs> as usual. Is, my sack is always bulging. And I should say as well, I did get some stuff in Iceland which I forgot to bring. You mean the but, country? Uh, yes, I know. It's hilarious, isn't it? it never gets old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Layla's gone to Iceland. Uh, one of the things I had in Iceland was the thing that we had on the podcast that I think it was the Stephanie Postvek episode. Uh, Christmas two was years it, ago. Was it Mike Reeve or Mike somebody else Reeve. gave us some Icelandic sweets? Yeah, he did. And one of the things he gave us were um, 
those little snowball things that had um, licorice in the middle. Yes. And you guys weren't that keen on them, so I just ate them all. And, <laughs> and so took I them bought, all away. So I enjoyed some more of those in Iceland um, without any, having to fight anyone else for them, so that was good because everyone else hates them. But also, uh, another thing that I brought, which I didn't bring today, was something called Dracula Bites or something. And it's like, everything in Iceland's got these amazing, sort of really simple, slightly retro, cartoony characters on the front. And the Dracula ones, I thought that sounds quite good. Maybe they'll be like nice licorice. And it is literally the worst thing I've ever eaten. <laughs> it was like, you can't even eat them. It's like solid pieces. It's like chewing, you know, fossilized bark or something, like solid black thing. And you, they uh, do love a chewy licorice sweet. caramel, don't they? But it's not caramel and it's not sweet. Oh. It's just like tar. Are you sure? Awful. <laughs> sure they were sweets? I wish I brought them. Well, they're obviously marketed for children in some way. Maybe it's medicinal. It might know. have been some kind of heating thing. Oh, to keep cold. them warm. Yeah, maybe you throw it on the fire and it, it gives you a little extra burst of green flame. Is there flame. some um, culturally unusual aspect to Icelandic sweets? You know, when you mm. when when there are countries that really like things to be overly salted. Yeah, well, they're really keen on licorice, aren't they? That's they're very the... keen on licorice. They do, yeah, and even like Bassett's licorice, all sorts you see everywhere. Like they're just importing licorice as well. It's, Love every, it. it's everywhere. Can't get enough um, licorice. And I wonder if that's because everything's kind of black in Iceland, like it's all tarry <laughs> and the volcanic it's, and yeah. lava everywhere. Yeah. Did you have Brennevin? That's a yes. a spirit yeah. drink. Is very it like nice. a liqueur that's kind of? It's sort of the schnapps. Oh, it's a schnapps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so that's it's quite it's quite potent. Like it clears your tubes. You know, <laughs> sort of smell it cool. Keeps you breathing. <laughs> Keeps you warm. And I had some weird Icelandic beer that one of the people that was in our group was um, an Icelandic farmer, and he was saying how this beer is really nice because it's got like thyme, you know, the, the herbs in it, mm. and things, and you can taste the herbs in the beer. That's quite good. Was it was it twenty pounds a pint? <laughs> Uh, it wasn't too bad. I think that's slightly <laughs> exaggerated, especially like going to London quite a lot. You get used to those kind of prices. But have you been to Iceland? I've not, no. but that's that's one of the mm. that's one of the eight things that every, every first time visitor to uh, Iceland mm. will mention. Alcohol mm. is expensive. how expensive the alcohol is. What are the other things? I don't know. Everyone's <laughs> related. They'll, they'll <laughs> tell you yes, everyone's related. Yeah. I, again, you say you say about them importing licorice. I mm. I, I imagine. Uh, Icelanders having a relatively small population mm. and it'd be quite difficult for to sustain any kind of like variety in kind of I don't know mass market confectionery yeah there's no way of growing anything in Iceland yeah. either even, it's, it's yeah, even just basic farming yeah uh, requires greenhouses like fruit yeah. and vegetables they don't grow in Iceland they you've do, got to, they, do you've got to force the, them. they use the geothermals to grow potatoes and stuff which is quite clever and bananas mm. Icelandic bananas is a thing oh, because wow. of the underground heating Fun. they have um, but yeah, it's so kind of generally barren uh, in a beautiful way, obviously, that um, it's quite hard to uh, for them to grow any kind of fruit and veg and stuff. But they do have like fish and puffin and things like that. Whale. And you've been as well. I love you? Iceland. Yeah, I want yeah. to go back. Did you eat yeah. puffin? I didn't because I'm vegetarian. Um, and puffins are technically animals. <laughs> do they not count the sea creatures? Well, you they not get it under the fish rule? I was wondering that. I was thinking, I was, maybe they do. I, is, there, is there a word for a vegetarian who will eat anything once and then that's it? <laughs> or maybe a vegetarian you know. who'll eat birds would be quite good. Because <laughs> well, yeah, that would help with chicken and turkey. Yeah, but like, no, why not? Yeah. Puffin no, would be. But like, you know, yeah. the, the idea that like, um, you get one go. And then you, get, you, then you get to decide whether you're going to continue being right. a vegetarian or not. I think, I think on a species basis... <laughs> to try uh, everything once. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing no one ever tells you about Iceland 
is that everything smells of rotten eggs. <laughs> and I kept getting told off for commenting on this. But, like, if you have a shower, you have to leave the door and window open and stuff because it, it, yeah, you will be sick. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite yeah. sulfury, The average hotel of... bathroom is, is uh, more eggy than you would expect. So eggy. Reykjavik's the worst for it. If you get out of Reykjavik a bit, it gets a bit less mm. eggy. Um, we went around the countryside quite a lot. Is, is, that, that, a lovely is that how the other sort of towns in Iceland advertise themselves to <laughs> Less eggy than Reykjavik. Less eggy than Reykjavik. Escape the egg. Yes, but generally, I'd recommend Iceland. It's yeah, good. Um, I don't know if I'd recommend Reykjavik that much. Maybe for a weekend, but I don't like how. Where did you go when you went? We went to some bars in Reykjavik. In Reykjavik, was it a work thing? No, like, it was. Uh, it was for Airwaves. You know the music festival. Oh with yeah, my brother. yeah, okay. So we went to um, places like Cafe Bar Inn and other trendy sort of venues that you have to go to. Um, bars, I think. Good for bars. We went up the up the steeple, up the oh, yeah? beautiful, beautiful church, yeah. cathedral thing. Um, I don't know what else we did. We did, I mean, the, I think going out and seeing the waterfalls and everything was, that was probably my, my highlight. The Golden Circle. Did the Golden Circle. Yeah. Rented a car, drove around, got, oh, yeah, got, uh, got all the sights in. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we spent a week watching bands play. Yeah. And then going to yeah. bed at waking up time. Yeah. <laughs> it was I quite good fun. It is a party town, isn't it, Reykjavik, they say. Although I didn't see much of that really, but yeah, we spent a lot of time out in the countryside, looking at ponies, and nice. waterfalls, and glaciers. Yeah. Glaciers are amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I've never been to Iceland, but I have seen the Tom Cruise movie Oblivion. Oh, is that is that the thing? I thought it was new. Has it only just come out, or is uh, it? Well, it's out on DVD. All oh, right, so it's not so, new at all. I don't want to give the the plot it's away, but I'm wondering if I've seen this film. He's a drone repairman. He's a drone repairman, He's and all of his humanity's last. Humanity's last job. Yeah, and all of his tools and things are white. He's um, got like a white gun and a white motorbike there, and a white there, there house. Is, there is white and grey. It's, it is, you know, it does have that design. And you're saying it was shot in Iceland? I believe that most of the external yeah. uh, wow. stuff is shot in Iceland. Cool. Yeah. It's one of the well. things they're excited about. It's it, like what happened to New Zealand with Lord of the Rings. Yeah. This is going to be the same thing now for Iceland. Everyone's going to want to go there and see all the sites. Because of the Clearly. famous film Oblivion that none of us have seen. Well, I mean, I've seen it, it. Oh, okay, so you guys have seen it, but you yeah. could barely remember that you had seen it. it I didn't know the title. <laughs> I saw it, but I didn't know what it was called. Is it, is it good? Though? Do, do <laughs> people impose these things on you? Do they comes, strap you down? And, it comes uh, uh, either through the post... Uh, thanks to Love Film or streaming through Netflix or, or Love Film you just watch these films right, you don't know okay. what they're called you yes, just pick a film it's, it's almost like they've, they've removed some, <laughs> some sort of like some sort of editorial element well in the old life. days you had to go to a cinema and you had to ask for the film by name and so you had to know the film's name but now you don't have to know the film's name <laughs> give, give me that story with the Tom Cruise <laughs> you can click randomly and somebody will watch you know yeah, that's got pretty a picture, pictures that's got a picture of a movie star on it I'll have that <laughs> Is it, worth, is it worth seeing, though? Oblivion. Yeah. Is it? It's, I would say so. It's kind of a good film. It's, it's all right. I didn't I don't hate know if it. I trust either of your judgments on films. <laughs> have you seen the film <laughs> Moon? Mm, yes. Did you enjoy I it? I have. Uh, yeah, kind of. You might enjoy this bit less. A bit less. It's a great way of judging. If you like Moon, well, you might like this, but a bit less. It's like 0.7 Moon, I would okay, say. Okay, right. That's how good it is. <laughs> yeah. So with Halloween approaching, obviously the uh, shelves are awash with green and orange things. Yeah, black, purple, there's a lot of purple, uh, some orange, yes. The traditional traditional Halloween. I don't understand Halloween as a, uh, oh. as a festival. It doesn't seem real to me. The, the trick-or-treat element, which I remember, I'm old enough to remember when that was uh, 
when that was unusual. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I've, I've apparently grown up in a time where the idea of children going around to strangers' houses and knocking on the doors with implied threats <laughs> seemed like a bad idea to when now it's, you know, sort of some culturally accepted practice. I, and they, I never really embraced it as... Uh, as, as what seems like a good idea. It does feel like a cultural import to me. It doesn't feel very British. It's such like Halloween Scrooges. Do <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you get into it? Do you sort of like? I you... like Halloween. I like that it's kind of. Um, it's just like fun and a little bit edgy and a bit kind of you know just dress up. That's quite nice. An excuse you can't dress up for Easter really. And get away with it. The last couple of years, I've been buying bags of sweets just in case the local kids come around. I've not wanted to disappoint them. And I think it was last year or the year before, I, I related a story about how these very polite children, when I handed them a, a sack of stuff, they, they took one little thing each and they were all very lovely. Or was that you? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, you told me about that, yeah. Yeah, we talked yeah. about that on air. Yeah. But um, generally, I, I get very underwhelmed at Halloween. Is it like um, not knowing how to tip in foreign countries? It's exactly like that. <laughs> how many sweets do you give them? Yeah. What's, what's the cultural accepted... Uh, you know, generations. Who knows? What who knows do? what they're expecting? Should it be a Snickers each, or uh, you know, something out of a Haribo bag? What's Are the deal? Are you going to be the person who goes? No, the kids deserve healthy snacks. Right, have an oh, apple. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> have so an apple, but it you. doesn't have a razor blade in it. <laughs> you, have to, you have to reassure them as well because they can get freaked out. Don't obviously don't put any <laughs> razor blades in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who thinks of things like that? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the thing that they was at school. They always used to they used to warn you about. Right. And also, when you when you went down the um, the flumes in the swimming pool, they would always their, their stories would be of how people would go out in the middle of the night and hammer razor blades into the edges. I don't what? think it ever happened, but it's one of those sort of it urban never myths happened. that you. Yeah. Your school's obsessed with razor blades. Everyone loves a razor blade. <laughs> yeah. Halloween then. Halloween. Yes. Yes. Okay. What have I got? Well, it's you know as traditional. It's. Stuff that you're already familiar with, right? Mm. But we're given a spooky name usually. We'll start off mm. with the Capri's spooky cake bars, and what makes these spooky is not only the packaging, but the uh, the the colour, the strawberry, has actually, using the miracle of uh, of modern food science, been given a green rather than an artificial red colour. And they describe this wow. as a slimy strawberry. A slimy. Cake bar. So we're going to see how strawberry it remains. Knowing that this is going to be green, does it taste like strawberry? It's kind of like a lime green colour. And I am having trouble reconciling the fact that it's lime green with the fact that it tastes of strawberry. Which it sort of does. Yeah, if someone told me that was orange, I would probably just go, yeah, okay. I'm eating an orange thing. <laughs> it tastes like sweet, doesn't it? My, uh, my brain would cope with that fine. I like the good um, crunchy thick chocolate on the outside, though. Mm. Yeah, when, that, when it's, it's just nice. thick, I like to pick it off and eat it separately. Mm. Yeah, it's cracking on bite immediately. Mm. This has a comment on the back. Um, so good, you'll feel alive! Exclamation mark. So good, you'll feel alive. That's where they're going with this. As in, if they you were dead, the dead and eating, oh, eating these Cadbury products, you would feel yeah, alive. I haven't put those two concepts together. In their long list of in- ingredients, they've um, highlighted what I assume are potential. Um, uh, all the natural things? No, no, no. The things that people might be allergic to. Ah, they have. They've highlighted yes. in yellow. Milk and Milk, the egg and the soya, wheat. egg, wheat and nuts. Highlight the things that people might be allergic to rather than list them separately. They should have done it so like, you have to shine a light over it to see them. It's like a little surprising thing. For if, if you're colourblind, <laughs> you can't see the difference. Yeah, if you don't have the tool to illuminate, like that um, magazine that Berg did, you needed like, a special pen to see the... 
people with mil- mil- milk and uh, milk and egg allergies would have to wear special glasses. They get given yeah. UV pens when they're <laughs> when they're something. diagnosed. Or it's each each thing is written in a um, in a I don't know a chemical that you can only see if you're allergic to it. <laughs> <laughs> That, that, might, that? that might need a little bit more work. Yeah. <laughs> you lick the packaging and if it tingles, your tongue. Oh, yeah. It's like a scratch test. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They've got their built-in scratch tests. My event yesterday, which we were talking about just earlier, has been filmed. Ooh. So I can get the audio tracks, I imagine, off those. Oh, can um, we have some sn- simple sniffles? <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't have any sniffles. Some sniffles. Really. Some sniffles. sniffles is that like a, slippery like nipples. A, a geek nip slip? Like <laughs> <laughs> LB Reed let, let his uh, wardrobe malfunction get the better of him during one of the speeches. Uh, that would be amazing. No, that didn't, that nearly happened to me because I was wearing... <laughs> Did you nearly have a sniffle? I was wearing a blouse and uh, oh, I, I was gosh. mic'd up for the... Um, for the recording and yeah. it was he was a bit like yeah luckily the guy that was doing it was gay so he was a bit you know that's fine that's what he told you you can, you can do whatever <laughs> he said don't, don't mind me at my hands love <laughs> this is what we normally do uh, <laughs> I'm just going in for a quick sniffle <laughs> no nothing untoward happened but it was a bit like because I had to when everyone else was getting mic'd up because I was hosting it I had to kind of do the quiz and chat to the audience and stuff but then when I was getting mic'd up I had to chat to them while I was being mic'd oh, up so right. there's no you know yeah cool so you're kind of standing there like this going so don't look at what's going on um, <laughs> I'm just passing things up under my shirt but um, that's quite fun but yes so I should have some samples from yeah, different talks that. and event and music and things that happened yesterday build us a package yeah. Okay, I'll do a package. Make me a package. BBC Click. (laughs) (laughs) Well, LJ, give me a package and we'll broadcast it on the internet. I know nothing about science and I know nothing about technology. So this is what we call the barefoot hippie portion of the uh, evening. And uh, what I'd like, first of all, is it's going to be quite interactive as well. And we will time travel. Yes, I'm Matt. Uh, I'm a geek. I play music uh, on the ZX Spectrum, and I've got a couple of tracks to play for you today. But uh, first, I wanted to share a few thoughts about the role of the ZX Spectrum in time travel. So, um, before I start talking about the weird science in these films, I want to make something clear. Terminator and Terminator 2 are a pair of great films about the power of creativity disguised as films about robotic killing machines from the future. They seem at first glance to be stuffed with mind-bending and terrifying technological concepts, but the truth is they're surprisingly hazy on the details. Their approach to technology is show-don't-tell, they are body-shot legends, or timeless tales about the human condition, but they lack the detailed porn of speculative fiction. Perhaps that's why they're good. Um, the stories hold some interesting implications about beginnings, not terminations, which I'll explain later. They're instructive on the concept of making. I really believe this, so don't bother trying to challenge me on it. I can't be bargained with, can't be reasoned with, don't feel pity or remorse (laughs) or fear, and absolutely will not stop, ever, until you are dead. (laughs) 
Now, since it's uh, kind of hard to come up with a mathematical model of killing your own grandfather, then a physicist uh, named Joseph Polchinski came up with a thought experiment involving billiard balls. He said, what if you fired a billiard ball into a wormhole, uh, causing it to travel back in time so that it emerged from that wormhole one second earlier in time to collide with its former self and knock itself off course so that it never enters that wormhole. Now, clearly you've got a problem there. That's, that's creating a paradox, and it's just creating that out of basic physics. So um, it seems that time travel's a bit screwed there, right? So, well, not so fast, said uh, two graduate students from Caltech, Fernando Echeverria and Gunnar Klinkhammer, who, unfortunately, I couldn't find a photo of, but since he has a totally badass name, I like to imagine he'd look something like this. So... Uh, Thank you. Um, my name is Sinead MacDonald and I am a visual artist and I am from Dublin. Um, I have always been really interested in science fiction ever since I was a kid. I've loved science fiction and um, most recently I've been working with science. And we were working on this which is a Wilson cloud chamber which is I've become very interested in elementary physics and um, quantum mechanics and stuff. So basically, a Wilson Cloud chamber is a fish tank, and you use uh, alcohol and dry ice, and it makes uh, electrons and cosmic rays visible to the naked eye. So this is a photograph from a Wilson Cloud chamber, and these are just cosmic rays that are moving through the fish tank, and they ionize with the alcohol, and they produce these sprays, like um, contrails. One thing causing another is the simplest definition we have of a story. If you muck about with that, you, events can quickly become tangled up in themselves. We're going to talk about the different sets of time travel rules, the different systems you can apply, and the advantages and pitfalls of each of them. So, let's start with the absolute simplest set of rules. What happened stays happened. You can't change history. You can take your DeLorean back in time, try to shoot your granddad, but you miss. You try again, but the gun jams. You get a new gun, shoot him in the head at point-blank range, and it turns out he wasn't actually a real granddad, and if you'd asked your grandma, she'd have told you that that guy always died that way. <laughs> what do I mean by living in the past? Well, what I don't mean is something I saw this summer, which I went to a steam rally with lots of steam engines and people showing these, these are standing engines, which actually aren't steam-based, they're combustion engines, but they're made in the 20s and 30s. And... I think they're being exhibited by people who might not self-describe as geeks, but definitely are, because the, the appeal is not that these machines are old, it's that they are visible, you can understand how they work by looking at them, they've got character, they go chug, 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 I mean, what's not to like? Enthusing about technology like this, I think, isn't living in the past. And nor is this. This is uh, uh, the sort of thing that I get off on, which is electronics. And this, I uh, wanted to bring along some components that are possibly the only form of electronic component that is solely concerned with uh, dealing with time. Obviously, time impinges on all electronic systems. But there are very few components that solely deal with time. And one of them is a delay line. Uh, this is also a delay line of a different sort. What is a delay line? These, these glass delay lines in the picture were used in uh, analog video uh, predominantly because you, know, you needed to have a 64 microsecond delay as part of the, the video processing. 
and they're just cool tech. How they work is, is cool. Um, we got two, we got a, a, an engineer and a computer scientist from the University of Limerick on board. Um, the computer scientist, when she had a look at the, the original box with all the valves and stuff in it, she realised that not only was there receiving going on, so with everything there's a, a transmitter and a receiver, and we'd sort of figured out that, that whatever this box was, that it was a receiver. There was too many amplifying valves and all that sort of stuff, so we figured that it was a receiver. But she had also noticed that there was some sort of calling for, it was calling for information as well, so it was kind of a transmitter as well. So we figured that it may have something to do, she'd found some light equipment, and she figured that it may have something to do with actually identifying people. So what we did was we hacked a flatbed scanner, and we hooked that up to the CCD as well, it was kind of handy. So we had the, the, the bar of the flatbed scanner run up and down and take a light reading of your hand, okay? So that's what the hand shape on the top of the box is about. When he spotted some lifeguards out on the water and they were digging something out of the water, fishing it out, and it was a corpse. It was a corpse of a 12-year-old girl. And Harold took one look at that corpse and he knew immediately who it was. It was his lifelong friend, his childhood friend, Tally. And years and years ago, they'd been in the lake together and they used to play every day in this lake until one day, Tally walked into the lake and she never came out again. And here he was, 20 years old, and here was Tally's body exactly as it had looked 10 years ago. And he was utterly horrified by the fact that he had suffered the ravages of time and his dear friend hadn't. I was interested, again, in time travel as a kid, in um, something that used to crop up very, very regularly on, on British television um, on a Saturday afternoon. And it was another uncanny creature who had also managed to somehow create an exquisite time dilation of her own. And it was, of course, Ursula Andres. Now, some of you may know Ursula's work. Um, one of her greatest films in her oeuvre was, of course, She Who Must Be Obeyed. She was a sort of dominatrix, uh, immortal goddess woman. And the way, the way she got her immortality was she bathed in the internal flame, the eternal flame, which you can see her doing here with her lover, and she invited him into the eternal flame. Now, I don't know if anybody's seen this film. Yeah. Brilliant film. So here she is. This very early Hammer special effects. So here she is in the eternal flame. It's all going tickety-boo, um, and he's, he's bathing in there too. But, of course, what happens? Oh, no, she's gone in there twice. What happens? The effect of the eternal flame, is, as Peter Cushing is showing us, is reversing... And she seriously, I think the expression is hagging out. <laughs> Digital clocks do the same thing. Things like that are quite nice. Things like that are quite nice. Things like that are quite nice. Things like that are lovely. Um, but none of them are quite as good as just that. None of them are as simple as that. They're all a bit of a conceit. The sort of uh, the, the digital clock thing. It's a bit clever, clever. Um, and for that reason, it doesn't quite ring true. So I made this clock anyway, it looked a bit like this uh, a couple of years ago, uh, just because I seem to happen to have the bits and pieces to do it, and it was very nice and stuff. It's along the lines of a sort of radio dial. Hi, I'm Albie Reid, I'm a, a physicist and a, a teacher. I wore this jumper so that everyone would know that I was a teacher. Um, and I'm going to tell you how to build a time machine. Um, that's not a, it's not a joke, it's not a trick. I really am, by the end of this, I really will have described 
um, exactly how to build a working time machine. So in, in my area, we talk about Planck times, which are an insanely small unit of time. So you'd have to multiply them sort of 10 by, to by itself 44 times to multiply the Planck time to get one second. So these, these are sort of fundamental units of time. So time itself mixes with space. You probably heard about relativity, but Einstein told us, in fact, space and time are sort of really part of the same thing, which we call space-time. We haven't tested it an awful lot. Um, we are getting messages back. Um, most of the messages that we're getting back are from at least 20 years in the future. So far, anyway, all of the messages that we've gotten back are from at least 20 years in the future. So the black holes are, you know, black holes are sort of crop up in science fiction a lot simply because they are really quite exotic objects. They're the strongest gravitational objects that we know. And if light can't escape, nothing can. So that sounds rather... So of course you've got to write a way around that, you know. You, your hero's got to come back. So I thought I'd just sort of say a couple, bring the theme to Doctor Who and talk about a couple of things from Doctor Who. I was slightly uh, worried by a Bible quote, which was, you know, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things for about 35 years and then I bought, bought them all back on eBay. <laughs> Hello, my name's Dave Gorman, and you're listening to Shift, Run, Stop. Next. Um, okay, these are uh, more Cadbury's. Oh. This time, Cadbury's Scream Egg. With the green goo. Oh, we've done these before. Yeah, but we? I like them, so let's, let's do know. them again. Uh, these are, these are small ones. Thank you. Now, you say, you say small, but these are, um, these are, these are um, like the size of my thumb. These are the size of so, mini Cadbury's Cream Eggs, right? If anyone's familiar yeah. with those. Oh, I, thought, I thought they were maybe bigger than those, even. Oh, do you but... think these are midi? <laughs> the, the, the midi egg Cadbury's format. midi egg. The midi egg format. I don't know. Maybe uh, well, you I'm could not be right, sure. Lenny. You maybe right. we've grown. They... Maybe they've shrunk and they now seem bigger. They are quite attractive. I quite like the green and purple packaging. But I'm yeah. not sure about the the cream egg thing encroaching on Halloween. I feel like eggs and Halloween should be kept separate. <laughs> oh, I think every you opportunity think... to eat Cadbury's cream eggs is. Do you one think to be that welcome. an egg as a as a symbol of new life? Yeah. Um, contrasts too much with the yeah. uh, with the death imagery of Halloween. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it does saying? a little bit. Uh, well, I, I know these are based on rotten eggs or dead birds or something. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like, you know, there should be a distinction. There should be a clear distinction. Otherwise, where will it end? There will in, be Halloween way, Christmas decorations and so on. In a way, aren't all cream eggs based on <laughs> non-living birds. birds? Unborn birds rather than undead birds. I don't taste... Um, any particular different flavour. They so don't taste green, do they? It, it looks green, but doesn't taste green. And as far as I'm concerned, that's fine with me. Well, in fact, it goes out of its way to say, fear not. Fear not. There's nothing scary about the taste. There you go. They're letting you know that although they've coloured it horribly, they've not, uh, they've not ruined it. See, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand. Why would you... Why not just sell Cambridge cream eggs all year <laughs> round? <laughs> I'd quite happily buy them. It's fine. I don't need green packaging. OK. Milky bar. This is... What does this look like to you? Uh, that looks a ghost. like a ghost. It looks like a ghost, right? So what is the red 
around it? Is it like a cape? He's wearing um, some sort of shirt. He's wearing a Milky Bar Boy... Milky Bar, Milky Bar Boy? Is Milky that what he was Bar Kid. <laughs> the Milky Bar Kid. <laughs> he's wearing the clothing of a Milky Bar Kid, he's although he's incorpor- incorporeal. <laughs> he's so, so he's is the this, dead Milky Bar Is kid. it the Milky Bar? Is it the ghost of the Milky Bar? <laughs> Wouldn't he be wearing glasses? I suppose glasses would fall off. <laughs> they just fall straight through. He's quite know. happy about being dead, though, so I think we're cheerful about it. Well, you say that, but... Um, <laughs> Maybe he's miserable inside. <laughs> he does look... He does look like a happy ghost. I just, I just wonder why a ghost would wear, be wearing a shirt. <laughs> it's I mean, it's more of a scarf, really, or a bandana. It's got, yeah, it's got a collar, though. <laughs> I don't, I don't. How heavy is this Milky Bar ghost? It's, uh, um, it's about the same as a midi cream egg. So I don't. Are we going to smash this thing? Yeah, here? break him to pieces and eat him. Smash his head. It yeah. feels so wrong. I do enjoy the Milky Bar series of um, themed animals. Though I remember talking, was, was it on like on the air or just conversationally? But I remember when Dave was doing the snacks with us, he he was quite consternated about whether the um, Milky Bar uh, and polar bear that they produced at Christmas was actually the same mold as the Milky Bar cow lady for Easter. <laughs> <laughs> had a different face drawn on. Um, I don't think it was quite the same, but it was very similar. So how much would a Milky Bar ghost set you back, do you, do you I reckon? I think these were about 60 pence or something. So the face is actually continued onto the actual chocolate, which is nice. Although the, the, the shirt is not. Oops, sorry. It breaks I'm quite assuming nicely. that this is just uh, Milky Bar, ch- regular mm. Milky Bar chocolate. There's it's nothing funny. scary about this. It's good and thick. Mm. Again, in, in our day, Milky Bars was like the thinnest chocolate you could get, Very wasn't thin. It? Mm, like a piece of paper. No, I'm not a massive fan of white chocolate. Is white chocolate technically a chocolate? I'm sure there's some debate over this. Isn't I it don't just think a, it is like a chocolate. It's fat, isn't it? Mm. It's just fat. It's like a flavoured fat. Sure. Very nice. Yeah, I, I could eat one of them. Uh, and indeed, you have. I've got, I've got quite a way through one. <laughs> um, and uh, similar, similar thing. A uh, Smarties uh, sort of jack o' lantern. Mm. Some carved pumpkin head, and I Which believe. Is- this has some tiny Smarties, tiny smarties in, it. in it. Mini mini Smarties. I would imagine that they are. Mini let's smarties. let's find out. That's what would I love make mini sense Smarties because if Smarties are just, just too big. Yeah. It's Whoa. Rushing. So it's smaller than a Cabbage but Cream Egg, and it does have mini Smarties. It inside. does have mini Smarties. Did you want to? This is this is impractical. I'm not as keen on this kind of thing because it just makes a mess everywhere. Both this and the Cabri- and the um, Milky Bar Ghost. Probably a bit too substantial for a, a Halloween treat. This feels yeah. like something you're going to scoff on your own at home. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a distinction between you know what you're going to buy to eat and what you're going to buy to give away. You know. Mm. Yeah. Maybe it's something you buy for your own children rather than buying to give away to other people's children. And you know, obviously these these mm. exist. Uh, these these are being sold all through October. <laughs> so it might be one of those sort of like seasonal things where people just end up eating it before the end of the month anyway. Mm. And this is a crunchy spider. <laughs> Which is a Cadbury's, new, new Cadbury invention. Cadbury's crunchy spider. Um, it's, you know, it's a very simple shape. I mean, it's only the packaging that makes it, gives it a sort of... That's so lazy. It's just a sort of blob of chocolate that's Yeah, it's just like an foil. oval of chocolate. For me, the sort of definition of, of a spider is, <coughs> yeah. is all about the legs, really. Well, you know... You want the legs I mean, to be made of chocolate, you think? Yeah, I think that's the laziest thing I've ever seen. Like, it's like, <laughs> you can make anything into anything just by mounting on a piece of card with some legs drawn on. <laughs> so, come on, that's not a spider at all. The Cambry dove. It's a, it's well, a torso. It's two wings yeah, stuck underneath like, on the cardboard. Yeah. So uh, describes itself as milk chocolate with green crisp rice balls. Yeah. So I'm guessing the green element to it is the uh, is the Halloween part. I really like that. 
Yeah, it's all right. You're going to forgive its lack of uh, mm. substantial legs? No. <laughs> Actually, I would, if I saw that in a petrol station on the way home, I would, I would buy one of those. <laughs> If it was less than, say, 80p, anyway. I, think, I believe that this is the uh, same price as the, as the other ones, which are around 60 pence, I wish I'd remember. Yeah, that's, that's um, quite a nice thing. texture. Yeah. I think Cadbury chocolate is... Um, it benefits from having little bits inside it. Like this, it's a bit this like a is, whisper, but with crunchy bits. Where yeah, it's, the, it's quite an unusual format, mm. I think, the cr- crunchy bits inside the chocolate. Yeah. I like it. it Th- this is uh, suitable for vegetarians. Oh, good. And uh, <laughs> may, con- may, con- may contain lupin. Lupin? The flower lupin. Why has it got lupin in it? I don't... It might. It's not not definitely got lupin in it, but it might contain lupin. Is that what it says on the packaging? Are you you telling us? Are you asserting that it might contain lupin? That's what it says on the packaging. It says, may contain nuts, wheat, egg, lupin. What's lupin used for? Presumably a colouring, if it's a a Mm, colourful flower. Well, usually when it says it may contain, it means that it's been manufactured on the Mm. same production line as something that contains these. Well, from this, we can project that next month Cabri are going to come out with a, a chocolate covered lupin product <laughs> well yeah I'm, I'm very fond of that I'll be of everything we've we've had so far that's the thing I'd be uh, anxiously seeking out and it was a Cabri spider right Cabri spider yes. Cabri spider crisp so chocolate spider. with green crisp rice balls mmm tasty more Cadbury's eggs here. Oh, yeah. You're, you're doing really well today. Yes. Uh, these ones are called oh, Deadheads. Cadbury Deadheads. Deadheads. Like, um, I don't know, what's, what are people, people who follow the Grateful Dead? Yep. Are they Deadheads? That's they're, what we call I them. I don't know that's, that's what we're eating, and I don't know that's what they're definitely trying to allude to. But, uh, Going for quite a go. niche market, if so. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Well, um, these ben are and suspiciously shaped Again. like a Cadbury cream egg. Again, they are eggs. Ben and Jerry's have, uh, have done some... Um, Weirdly specific fish food, right. yeah. fish food, fish food Indeed, based a, after oh. the band that nobody in the I UK that was is really based on the concept of fishing oh. on the internet. <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> so that's what it was. Um, this has got red caramel inside it, right? So, these we should describe they're like, um, again, the Cadbury's cream egg mini thing, uh, slightly smaller, and they have purple foil wrapping with little spooky faces on. Frankenstein and indeed, when you open them up, the uh, the eggs themselves have mm. faces oh, yeah. like like mummies. This is uh, reminding yeah. us of Egyptian mummies. But inside, mm. in a very similar way to the mini caramel eggs, which I think is probably what this is based on, mm. they've mm. Um, they've they've added some red colouring to them. Mm. But again, left the flavours bloody pretty eggs. well alone. Mm. Mm. Well, it's nice though. Seasonal it's, caramel eggs. It's just red caramel, as you say. But yeah, works. And they're not charging double for the fact that these are well, Halloween specials. Given I don't normally buy them, I have no idea. Has, has anyone noticed any specific themes in terms of um, the popular monsters this Halloween? Because they must, they must. Uh, come there's a lot of, of uh, a lot of um, Fred West themed. Uh, no, no, of course not. What, what I don't even know. Well, like <laughs> you know, there was, um, for example, in Asda, there's a massive zombie thing that right. they've got going on and I wondered if that was a thing this year but you think that I saw really some thing. controversy on Twitter about uh, some products that were oh, yeah. that were being <laughs> recalled because they were described as mad mental, uh, mental patient, patient. Yeah, and I that's I not that's not on is it really? I think there's a mental patient costume or something, which I was quite annoyed that I missed in my local Asda before it was withdrawn. The mad asylum thing is is, is a sort of like you know it's a horror trope. Okay, yeah. they didn't invent the concept; it was just possibly, badly labelled. It was badly labelled. It, it is sort of um, retrograde 
in the fact that it presents you know people with mental health issues as being scary somehow and that's disturbing and, or and that, given the choice i think people should uh, steer clear of that as a horror trope yeah like dress up as a as uh, like a sexy superhero in some way or gender reverse gender reverse superhero and make it sexy that's what you should or, do or take something and make it steampunk is that what yeah. you're saying add some got glasses to it <laughs> and then it'll be that much cooler I don't know. I don't think I've ever dressed up for Halloween. I was talking to some people about um, Halloween and what uh, what would we all dress up as if we mm. went to a party and stuff. And someone once described my dog as the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> He's got this like Phantom of the Opera mask on, like a half um, half black, half white face. Yeah, yeah, and it's very much like the mask shape of um, one of the fa- phantoms. So uh, yeah, I thought like we could go to a party with him as the Phantom and me as Sarah Bright. Sarah Brightman. <laughs> that might work. But I don't know what his costume would be. Like, mine would be easy. <laughs> he might have like a cape. Like, yeah, or, he needs a cape. Surely, wear. it's mainly a cape-based yeah, thing, isn't it? Opera cape. And but he's I mean, already got the mask. you could go further. You could go as Andrew Lloyd Webber. That's true. That would also be That'd really be great. Good. Go with yeah. a full fat suit. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm, you know, quite close in looks to Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. All you really <laughs> have to do is just not brush your hair. Wear a velvet jacket. Yeah. We've got more Halloween treats more to get Halloween. through. Yes, so, uh, so many Halloween things. Uh, well, we've got the ha- we've got we're onto the Haribo now. Oh, and good old uh, Haribo! They never fail when it comes to Halloween labelling. They're always they're, they're very happy to resell. Any, any excuse to yeah rebrand something. But yes, they, they, these are these are Haribo spooky ghosts. Oh. They're not like your regular ghosts. These are very spooky. <laughs> these ones are not spooky. White foamy ones, mm-hmm. a bit like milk bottles, but slightly yeah. weirder. The mm. white ones are entirely unpleasant. Mm. Yeah. Right. Slightly weird texture. Did you and just put that back? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, and gel. What do you call this? Like a jelly? Like a. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it, a standard Haribo. It looks like a, a very dark red that in the in the bag looks like a black ghost. It's almost like a wine gum as well. It's quite a nice um, fruity taste. And it's mostly white ones in there as well. Yeah, that's a it major like, major letdown. It's like a metaphor for. Society. <laughs> <laughs> disappointing white ones. Even in death, they disappoint. Tasteless. <laughs> okay. Nothing to offer. Well, we'll move on to the um, Haribo Horror Mix. So I've, I've uh, pulled out a, uh, a bat. I pulled out a bat as well. I've got a bat, but I've also got a witch because I always take more than one. Um, my, <laughs> Going back for more now. A witch's head. My, mm. Quite well rendered. I have one of these foamy, foamy ones. Mmm. Mmm. Haribo's always got the best flavours, I think. Yeah, these are better. The shoes that we try. Well, of all of those, I think the um, that that spider thing, that Cadbury spider, was the the spider. It was mm. a bit of a shocker. That was the winner for me. What do you think, Leila? If you were uh, holding out your sack and somebody was going to fill it with treats of everything we just had, what would you be most pleased with? I like the Haribo horror mix, um, and I like the um, cake bars. They're my other favourite, I think. There we go. With a cake bar, you feel like you're actually eating dessert. Yeah. It's like you're not just having a treat, you're having, you know, yeah, you're yeah. having pudding. Mm. You feel like you could pour custard over it and it would, all be, it would be all right. Well, for me, if the criteria is Halloween, mm. I'm gonna, I would go with the deadheads. Mm. I, think they're the I, most, think... I think they're the most effective in terms of like being, regardless of taste. Yeah. Mm. Uh, just visually... Yeah. They are like a head that you open up and it's full of blood. They're quite yeah, pleasingly done yeah. as well. Like the packaging and the and the attention to detail on the chocolate uh, moulding itself. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm with you on that. They're pretty good. Right. Well, thank you, Lee. You got me right warmed up for Halloween. <laughs> that has. <laughs> I'm all ready now. 
Oh yeah, I've got I've got some uh, correspondence from the listeners. That's like my live update. Exciting, tense music. Simon Richardson has been You're in never touch. Really invested in um, audio stings, stings and beds. Yeah. Right, uh, I got some got some correspondence from uh, a gentleman called Simon Richardson. Mm-hmm. Seems to go by Cy S Y. Mm. Hello, Cy Richardson. I recognise his name. Ex boyfriend. No. No. <laughs> Uh, Not everyone's name. <laughs> Simon Richardson. Statistically, it seems like. Well, I check. Simon Richardson says, Hi guys, uh, I have a Steam key for a game called FTL Faster Than Light. Oh, yeah. I already have the game, and so thought you guys could make use of it. Either one of you can have it, maybe discuss the game on the podcast, it is really good, or perhaps give it away to a lucky listener. It's entirely up to you. So, yeah. I leave it to you to choose. Uh, I haven't tried this game, but it's called Faster Than Light. I have in front of me the Steam key, okay. which I could read out, and then whoever gets there first <laughs> can download it for free. Oh, That's yeah, going to mean that m- almost all of our listeners are going to be frustrated and disappointed, <laughs> but the first one yeah. will we'll be able to... Uh, and also, you know, it's definitely worth trying. Don't think that you won't be the first, because you probably will. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have surprisingly few listeners. So. <laughs> and surprisingly few who would actually go through with this as well, I think, if you went out. I think do it. Okay. And then um, listener, listen, winning listener, uh, once you've downloaded this... You have to at least email us or tweet us and let us know what the game is like so we can mention you on the next episode. Yeah, please do that, because otherwise I'm going to feel that I've read out this long string of numbers and letters for no good purpose. (laughs) So uh, the game is called FTL Faster Than Light, and the Steam key uh, is Juliet 5, Whiskey Victor 9, November 9, 5, X-Ray 9, Juliet 4, Alpha 5, Bravo. And uh, if you manage to hear that and type it in, then uh, you, you win a game. Very good. Easy competition, practically a lottery. It is a bit quite military seeing you with your headphones on, shouting out, <laughs> Juliet, Bravo, etc. And I've done that without the dashes, but that, that breaks into three equal length sections, so, you know, have at it. I'm pretty sure I got that right. Hmm. Don't email in. If it doesn't work, <laughs> it's not my fault. Uh, second, second email, Matthew Petty. Mm. Uh, Matthew Petty, who now lives in San Francisco, has been in touch. Mm. Talking about the, the noise in Sheffield, yes. which I thought we'd put to bed last episode. Oh, no, I thought we'd have enough stop. of that. It's never going to stop. Uh, Matthew says, I'll I don't get a recording of it, by the way. Yes, you really should. Since it's going to be in every episode now. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew says, He doesn't know what the noise in Sheffield is. No. But I, s- <laughs> but I do know that every Tuesday afternoon in San Francisco, there's a test of the emergency siren system across the whole city. Mm. Very ominous, he says, for the uninitiated. Mm. Still loving the show. It's a piece of home for a Brit in a certain age oh. in a foreign land. What, what not, age? Uh, a Brit of a certain age. I yeah. think I got that wrong. But what, what maybe, age? What certain age? Maybe he's named? an old man. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, so Matthew. he's living in uh, Matthew Perry. <laughs> Matthew Petty living in San Matthew Francisco. Perry. <laughs> San Francisco would be so good. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Matthew Perry. Love your work. <laughs> <laughs> Thought you were in LA. Uh, Matthew Petty living in uh, San Francisco, yeah. California, formerly of Tooting. Okay. Hello, Matthew. Glad you're listening. Oh, did you ever go to Tooting Lido, Matthew? Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time. Did they have a siren? <laughs> but um, yeah, coming soon. Um, we're going to have uh, we're going to have some X Files um, fun and some uh, some guest. Have we're you finally going to have some guests. Have you watched that episode? I've no, watched it. I haven't yet. I've been watching the first season and I hate it. First season isn't the best. It's though. shit. It takes. <laughs> How did anyone get oh, into this TV programme? When you watch them all. <laughs> Then tell me it's shit. I mean, <laughs> because I, by then you'll be too far gone. Or? I remember thinking that Dana Scully was really was really hot, but 
in retrospect. Well, she hasn't got she the wasn't great. In the first she season. hasn't got the best hair for a while. Nowadays, does she get better? I think she she's punching above her weight with Mulder a bit. She does get better. <laughs> in, the, in the first episode, they both get in their in their underwear, not together, in, yeah. individually and separately. They're trying both to, underwear up. Trying but to hook the uh, audience. It, in. it failed for me. I was I was uh, most off put. Uh, <laughs> it, it, the nineties were a different time, Ruth. Yeah. We're a sim- simpler, innocent time. We Hair and makeup work with were different. What we yeah. <laughs> um, she does become a very beautiful woman, but in she, the first season, she's yeah, the, she's weird styled pig. very weird. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, and, and Mulder's um, hair is not the best for a lot of it. Although to be fair, they are both supposed to be FBI agents, so they're yeah. not putting as much attention into looking good as you or I would do. Right. You know, they're, they're professionals. They're, they're no Why do you us. think that about the FBI agents? Why do you think that they're dishevelled? I think that they're, they're, busy. Busy. they're busy. They're busy. They've got jobs to do. They're not worried about oh the, the, the length of their beard. <laughs> they're not worried about getting it really even. You know, they're, they've got. <laughs> I thought Scully like was supposed to be like a sleek businesswoman, though. That was always a bit weird. She's they never got to do with her hair. She's, she's, of course, she's yeah. But she's not really a doctor. I, I she doesn't understand. have a GP surgery that she She goes doesn't care what she looks like. Is I, the point. I understand that Mulder is the character in the, um, in the basement that, you know, has been put, put, you know, hidden away. From, from the public yeah. mm. but Scully is supposed to be presentable she's not <laughs> supposed to be they're supposed to be a contrasting couple at that point right yeah, yeah but what, what I mean is because she's a professional and because she's busy doing her important work right yeah. you know, she's not she's, she's not, not she's running not her fingers the, through her hair every five minutes she's not behind the counter in the Zelfish Beauty quite yeah, yeah. yeah you know she's, she's not going down Mac Cosmetics every five minutes, getting the free samples and coming out saying, "Oh, look at my lovely eye flicks that I've just done." But Don't I look like an Egyptian? You have. A, you, <laughs> I believe that's what the women are doing these days. You have a very odd conception of, of <laughs> real people, don't you? With the with that going into the, I don't know. That's what women do. She, yeah, I, it's an interesting question though. Like, how glamorous are they supposed to be compared to like how glamorous we think they are? I think they become more glamorous perception. later. Yeah. Or my memory is is. Uh, they do. They become a bit more superhero like later. They get okay. better clothes and become a bit more swishy. And oh, I have think long they start clothes. using better cameras as well. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I remember oh. about the first season is it's very dark. It's very grainy. Mm. It's very dark and grainy yeah. to the point where it's ver- sometimes quite difficult to work out what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Almost unwatchable. <laughs> so we'll be looking forward to that in a future yeah. episode. <laughs> and uh, yeah, for now I think we'll say we'll say goodbye. Mm. Goodbye. 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 Shift Run Stop. Shift Run Stop. Co. UK.